I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast, a podcast for successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm Veronica Grant, your host and a love and life coach. And my only goal with this podcast is to inspire you to believe in yourself and that real love is possible for you, even in our swipe right, swipe left world. You with me? Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another bonus episode of the Love Life Connection podcast. We are moving into week four of Bachelor in Paradise, and I am here with your little recap. Well, this isn't a total recap. I'm not going to do a play-by-play. There are plenty of other amazing Bachelor podcasts that I recommend you listen to if you want a play-by-play. This is more of a look at a few different situationships in each of the two episodes that come out every week and a little bit of backstory as to what I think is really going on beneath the surface and how you can apply those lessons to your own love life. So again, if you're new, I just want to run this by you. And if you're wondering why I even talk about The Bachelor in the first place, then make sure you listen to the first bonus episode of the series I released it a few weeks ago. So just scroll down your podcast player. And the beginning of that episode, I talk a little bit about that and hopefully answer all your questions. So let's get started with the situationships. The first situationship that I want to talk about is Tajwan. So Tajwan comes down into the beach. She comes down after the rose ceremony. And just so you're somewhat familiar with the format, every week or one week, the men will give the roses out to the women. And then the next week, the women will give the roses out to the men. If you're in a relationship, then you pretty much just give your rose to each other. And if you're kind of floating around between a couple people, if there's like a love triangle or square or octagon or whatever, then it might be tricky as to whether or not you get a rose. Because when the opposite sex is in power, they bring more of those people onto the beach. So when the men have the roses that week, they'll bring some additional women onto the beach. And when the women have the roses that week, they'll bring some more men onto the beach. 
Okay, so now that we're clear on that, the men have the power this week. And so that means there's going to be an addition of a few women onto the beach. And one of those women that come is Tajwan. Now, Tajwan is just really good TV because she's just so funny. And I think she's kind of a funny, quirky person in general. Like, I do think that's her personality. But, you know, in terms of it being good TV, she is just basically internally combusting and we see it all. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of the things that I love that she said and did because they were so relatable in the next segment. But for right now, I want to talk a little bit about her time with JPJ and then what happened when another woman came down onto the beach, Haley, who also went on a date with JPJ. So Tajwan comes down onto the beach and she talks to, I can't remember even if she talks to a few guys or maybe she just goes straight to JPJ. And JPJ is like this hunk of a dude. He's like super popular and Bachelor Nation. He has like that little hair flick that, you know, I guess some people just get really weak at the knees for. And he kind of talks like a surfer bro, but I think he's actually pretty smart and pretty intellectual. And I think he's actually a sensitive guy. And I think a lot of the women on the beach realize that. I think a lot of women in Bachelor Nation realize that. And that's why he's so popular. So Tajwan comes down, she talks to him and she asks him on the date and he agrees. Okay, so just a quick backstory. This will come into play in a little bit when I talk about the patriarchy roses, but JPJ had the hots for Tasha, which I talked about in last week's episode. And in this week's episode, Tasha was like, maybe you should explore your options. I don't know. See who else comes down the stairs, who else comes to the beach. And JPJ is just destroyed by this. He is so upset. And then Tajwan comes, she asks him on a date, and he agrees. And he's not really wanting to go because he really wants to hang out with Tasha, but for whatever reason, he goes. Okay, great. So they go on the date. It's a hilarious time. Like, they just have, they're really goofy. They're both very awkward but funny people. And it's just good television. Again, not getting into that because it's not a play by play recap. What I want to get into is they have a really good time. They, you know, kiss and everything, and then they get back onto the beach. And then it's the next day. And then Haley, who is a new woman, she comes down onto the beach. And I think she already has her eyes set on JPJ. She goes straight for him and she asks him on the date. And this is when we begin to see Tajwan really just begin to self-destruct. She is just really, really upset. She is angry. She is sad. She is confused. She's just feeling all the feelings. And then when Haley and JPJ get back from their date, she actually sits down with them at the bar and says some really awkward things. Some things are just really mean and some things are really awkward. Like she called Haley a pigeon. She said, I was really happy to see you, but then I wasn't. And then she said she wanted to spit in her wine, like really just weird. And then again, also kind of rude comments. Here's what I want you to take away from this. I talk a lot about on the show being triggered. And if you want to see what it looks like to be triggered, then this is it. And this is why I'm bringing up this situationship. Now, Tajwan went on this date with JPJ. She had a great time. They both seemed to have a great time. They both seemed to genuinely be into each other. And then this other woman came and took JPJ on a date. And from the viewer's point of view, JPJ liked Haley a lot more than he liked Tajwan. So we know this. Tajwan probably knows this instinctively, and that's probably why she's getting triggered. Here's what I define being triggered. Being triggered is when your reaction is greater than what the actual reality is. So here's an example. Let's say you go on a date with someone 
And then they text you or maybe after the date, they're like, hey, it was really nice to meet you. I had a lot of fun. I just don't see this going anywhere. Not that into you, whatever. And they break up with you. You might feel a little disappointed. You might feel a little sting. You might feel a little hurt or maybe even a little angry. And that's totally normal, right? Rejection always hurts no matter any way you slice it. Now, let's say on the flip side, you go on a date with someone and then they reject you and you just fall apart. You just want to drink wine and watch Netflix for the next two weeks. You decide that you're swearing off men and dating and your life is horrible and you're not lovable and you're never going to be in a relationship. And you just have all of these stories that come into your head. That's being triggered. And when you're being triggered, what that really means is that it's bumping up against something deeper. Okay. So again, let's say you get rejected and you're like, oh, that stings. And maybe it takes you out for a day or two. You're like, okay, whatever. I'm over it, ready to move on with my life. But if you're triggered and you're allowing yourself to really just fall apart and overly and become overly emotional to whatever the situation is. It's not really about the person or the date that just rejected you. It's bumping up against something deeper. So maybe that thing that it's bumping up against is, you know, a time when your parents rejected you and you felt like you weren't good enough and you would never be good enough to be their kid. Or maybe it's bumping up against a previous relationship that has some unfinished feelings or unresolved feelings. And it's just reminding you of what it felt like to be with that person who made you feel not good enough or whatever it is. And it's not that it's bad to be triggered. I think that you're always going to be triggered in in our lives, no matter what. I think you're always going to be triggered. It's not about never being triggered. None of this work that I do or that I teach on my podcast is about never being triggered. It's about what do you do with that experience? When you can recognize yourself getting triggered by a situation that you're like, okay, I'm allowed to feel upset. I'm allowed to feel hurt by this, but my emotional reaction seems to be greater than what's actually real or what's actually true. Then that's an opportunity to dip into some inner child work and ask yourself, what is really going on? What really needs to be healed? What's the story that I'm telling myself about the situation? And where is that story coming from? Why is this so painful? Now I'm going to get to this in a second when I talk about Dean and Kaylin, but these are the questions that I want you to ask yourself when you notice yourself being triggered. And in this instance, I don't know Tajwan. She was only night one before she got eliminated on Colton's season. So we really haven't seen her that much. Bachelor Nation doesn't know her that well. So I don't know her backstory. I don't know anything about her family or previous relationships. But she is being triggered in some way from some past experience where she felt rejected. Now, it could have been from a previous relationship. But my sense is that it probably goes further than that. And it probably goes back something and it probably goes back somewhere to childhood, probably the relationship with her parents, but it also could be with teachers or even friends growing up. And then if there's any other relationship that might also be triggering the situation that she had with JPJ, what's most likely going on is that relationship was just manifested by the inner child wounds that were created from her parents in the first place. Okay, so we're going to come back to Tajwan because, again, she had some really funny moments that were super relatable. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Before we go there, we have another situation ship to talk about, and that is Dean and Kaylin. Now, I think I've briefly talked about Dean and Kaylin before on this podcast, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Dean. 
So just to catch you up really quickly, Dean and Kaylin have been together pretty much since Dean got onto the beach. Now, a couple years ago, he was on Bachelor in Paradise and went back and forth between two women and really just got destroyed not only by these two women, but by social media and Bachelor Nation and everything. So I think he had grown up a little bit and he realized I am just going to go in, find one person and kind of stick to that person. And that's pretty much what he did. Him and Kaylin have been together. They've been really cute together. They're giving each other their roses. They're basically attached at the hip. And it really seems like they both like each other. And I do think that it's really genuine. And then it's Kaylin's birthday. And Kaylin's birthday also happens to fall on the day of the rose ceremony. And so Dean does this sweet little thing where he gets her a birthday cake and everyone to sing her happy birthday. And then he gives her his rose and it's still her birthday. And then he drops a bomb on her. I guess it's not totally a bomb because I haven't mentioned that Dean and Kaylin actually talked about this issue uh, earlier that day, or maybe it was a couple days ago. It's hard to know the timeline on Bachelor in Paradise. But basically, she had asked him, hey, like, where's your head at? I really like you. And I just want to know how you're feeling about this. And Dean basically told her at that point, I really like you too. I'm actually surprised by how much I like you. I don't know if I see this going beyond paradise because I'm just not someone who settles down. I don't want to go to dinner parties and talk about emotions. That's the word he says, as if that's what we talk about at dinner parties. But I mean, sometimes, but a lot of things come up at dinner parties. Anyways, he basically just gives her the sense that this probably isn't going to go past Bachelor in Paradise because I'm just not going to be the kind of person that can give you what you ultimately want, which is a commitment and emotional intimacy and connection and all of those things. And then the conversation kind of just ends. And Kaylin's basically telling herself, I should end this. I really should end this. This is not going to go well. And she doesn't. And then at least the cameras roll on to another story going on in Bachelor Paradise. Okay, so now you've got that backstory up to the back up to the rose ceremony. Dean gives Kaylin his rose and then he sits her down and basically breaks up with her. He says, I'm going to go home. I just feel like if I do this in a couple of weeks when Bachelor in Paradise is over, it's going to be even more difficult because our emotions will be even more involved and I just want to end it now. And I think this is the best for you. And I'm really sorry to make this decision for you, but I just know that I can't get there. I know that I can't give you what you ultimately want. And so I'm just going to remove myself from the situation. And obviously, Kaylin is just completely devastated. And oh my God, I just felt so sorry for her because I have personally been in that situation before where you really like the other person and they're like, yeah, I like you, but it's just the worst because you don't want to give up. You want to be the person that changes them or that wrangles them in. Like I totally get that and I've totally been there. And it's very easy from the outside to be like, break up with him, break up with him. But when you're in that situation, it just feels impossible to break up with that person. And, I'm, and I really think that's what Kaylin was feeling in those moments. Now, I don't want to talk too much about Kaylin. I want to talk a little bit about Dean because Dean is basically a really great case study as to why inner child work is so important. Now, Dean has been around the block a time or two in Bachelor World, and he made his debut on Rachel's season of The Bachelorette. And so that was probably two years ago. Last year was Becca and the year before was Rachel. So 
Yeah, it was Rachel's season of The Bachelorette, and he made it pretty far. He made it to the final four, which meant he went to, or he had hometown dates, which means Rachel came to visit his family, to, you know, meet the parents and all that kind of stuff before a potential proposal. And so we know some backstory about Dean. We have an idea of the kind of family that he came from and why he might be the way he is. Now, I don't remember exactly all the details, but his mother died, I believe, when he was 10 or 11. And since his mother died, his father, if I had to guess, just never really dealt with that grief. And he just kind of got wrapped up in like the really spiritual hippy dippy world. And obviously, I consider myself in the spiritual hippy dippy world. But a lot of times people get into this world. And you know, they do things like meditation and eat vegan and light sage and candles and have crystals and like do all of that stuff. But they're doing that, but it's really actually a way of spiritually bypassing where you're doing these things because you think they're good for you and they're helping and healing and blah, blah, blah. But really what you're doing is just, it's another form of distraction of not really allowing yourself to feel your feelings. So Dean basically grew up or came of age without having a parent who was really there for him emotionally. And I think in a lot of ways, he felt like he was abandoned by both of his parents. I mean, obviously his mom didn't mean to die. I believe she died of cancer. But when you're a kid, you feel abandoned, like you got left. And then his dad, who is still alive, also in a lot of ways left him because he was just not emotionally available to be a father and to allow Dean to grieve and to feel what he needed to feel. And in fact, even in the hometown date, when he brought Rachel a few years ago to his dad's house, I think he has a girlfriend now, his father basically kicked them out of the house because Dean was just really upset on how basically he was treated growing up and how he never allowed him to feel feelings or to be expressive or whatever. And his dad was kind of like, you're bringing up this again, like you're still not over this. And, you know, you guys know from me, if you listen to my podcast, time does not heal all wounds, healing heals wounds. And so just because 10 years, 20 years have passed from a breakup or someone's passing or some mean things someone said to you, time isn't going to heal that you actually have to do the healing work to heal it. But if you just spent your whole life, or at least a good part of your life spiritually bypassing, then you probably do believe that time heals all wounds. And so that's really the disconnect between Dean and his father. And so now as an adult man, it's not really really that surprising to me that he is so unable to commit. He keeps saying to Kaylin, you know, we just have different lifestyles. I want to live in a van. I don't want to go to dinner parties. And that's totally fine. You know, some people aren't square and they don't want to fit into a box. And I totally understand that. But that's very different as to whether or not you're actually emotionally available for someone. And I think that Dean is just using an excuse of like, you know, I live in a van, we have different lifestyles, this is never going to work. Now that might be true. But I actually think that Dean really likes Kalen. And I think that he's not really allowing himself to really go there. And I think actually, Kalen talked about this a little bit when she was talking to Wells in the bar. And a lot of times women tell themselves those kind of quote unquote excuses, and they really are just things to make themselves feel better. But I actually think she's spot on. And that is he's really too scared to let himself go there. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. But I think one is just a fear of abandonment. I think he definitely has abandonment issues. And I also think that 
It's really hard to receive love when you have felt so unworthy by your own parents because you have to recognize this. Your parents, when you were born into this world, they are almost godlike, right? It takes until you're an adult for you to realize, oh, my parents are just imperfect humans, right? They're just freaking human. And when you're a kid up until at least like 10, 15 or so, your parents are like, People that you think know everything, can't do wrong, that love you and all of those things. And when then when things start happening that con- conflict with this thing that you're telling yourself that your parents are amazing and perfect and they love you and almost like this godlike status, then it really begins to mess with the story that you tell yourself. And it really creates these deep rooted fears and beliefs around your worthiness and your ability to be loved and your ultimately your lovability. And so this is really where we're seeing Dean being unable to receive the love that, yes, he deserves because he's human. But I think there's a part of him deep down that believes he's not really deserving of love. And that's just because he probably experienced it from his mom before she passed away. I do think from what I can remember him saying about her, I do think she was a really good mom and really affectionate. But then when everything changed, when she died... I think a lot of that ability to be able to receive really died away with it. And so he's still grappling with it. I don't know what kind of work he's done around this. So I'm not going to pretend to know or guess or assume or anything. But just from how he has acted on previous seasons of The Bachelor and Paradise, including this season, my guess is that even if he has done some work, there's definitely more work and specifically inner child work to do. So that's a really fascinating, I think, look into inner child work, why it's so important that even if something happened 20, 30, 40 years ago, it's easy to believe that doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't affect me or I'm over it. You know, logically, Dean recognizes that he's worthy and good enough for love and all those kind of things. But it's really those deep rooted beliefs. And so I love when you can see examples like this, whether it's reality TV shows or TV shows that portray this really well, like this is us. So you can really see in your own life, like, oh, yeah, that thing that keeps coming up for you that happened 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago with your parents, it's still affecting you today, because that thing that happened really wrote what your unconscious beliefs are about yourself. And so you have to do the work to link your conscious brain with your unconscious brain so that you can begin to have those two talking a little bit better to each other so that you have deep rooted beliefs that are expansive and really helping you and supporting you and what you want to ultimately have in your life. Okay. So that's the situationship between Dean and Kalen. And the final situationship, this won't be that long. I just want to touch briefly on Nicole and Clay. There's a little mishap between Nicole and Jordan, but for the most part, they've been fairly strong. Definitely the most consistent couple. They've been spotted on the camera in the boom boom room, which I heard a little bit of tea on that place, which sounds disgusting. It's the place where couples go if they want to have sex. And which is fine, except that I don't know if they change the sheets between couples. I don't know. And also there's a camera there. So I don't know. That's really weird for me. I wouldn't be able to feel comfortable enough to do any of that stuff there. Anyways, but they've been seen on the camera in the boom, boom room. Nothing R-rated going on on the camera. I mean, it is ABC. But everyone knows what was going on. So they seem to be pretty solid, pretty strong. And then everyone in Bachelor in Paradise gets invited to Crystal and Chris's wedding. Now, just really quickly, Crystal and Chris were on Bachelor in Paradise last year. 
they met, they got engaged at the end of the season, and lo and behold, they are getting married. And so I'm not sure if they're actually getting paid to be married, but they're definitely getting their wedding paid for by ABC, which seems like a pretty sweet deal. And everyone on this current season of Bachelor in Paradise is invited to go to their wedding, including Nicole and Clay. The tiny problem with that is one of Crystal's bridesmaids is Clay's ex. Everyone knows this and Clay's not very excited about going to see her. He broke up with her, but it was very much a one-sided breakup. She didn't want to break up with him. And Nicole already kind of struggles with some confidence issues and she's not excited about being around Clay and his ex-girlfriend and just kind of wish maybe they wouldn't go or that she wasn't there or stuff like that. Anyways, they go to the wedding and then ABC does this really stupid thing where half of the Bachelor in Paradise contestants have to go back to the beach and then the other half get to go to the wedding after party. They never said why they did this. I have no idea why. It just was really, really, really stupid. But anyways, that's what happened. Nicole had to go back to the beach. Clay got to go to the after party, probably because he was put there, specifically because the ex-girlfriend bridesmaid was going to be there. And of course, they just wanted good TV, blah, blah, blah. It was all dumb, but it is what it is. Okay, so then the next morning, Clay and Nicole are talking and Clay reassures Nicole, yes, he did talk to Angela. They just needed to tie up some loose ends. He still cares for her. You don't just turn those feelings off. But he kind of seemed to say he was he was done and he was interested in her and she didn't have anything to worry about. He was saying all this to Nicole. And Nicole says, oh, I'm not worried. And then it cuts to her being interviewed by producers and she's like, I'm worried. And here's the thing that I just want to say about this. Now, There's two things, actually. If you feel like you're having a hard time trusting others or you're always worried that your partner is going to cheat on you, then one of two things are at play. Either one, you ultimately don't have the ability to trust yourself. And so it just feels impossible for you to know if something is a red flag, if something is not a red flag, if someone is trustworthy or not. And relationships and ultimately life just feel really exhausting because you never know who you can trust and who you can't trust. The other reason why you might be worried, like if Nicole in this situation or why you might not be able to trust in a situation is because your intuition is telling you, hey, he likes you, but he's still really into this ex-girlfriend or this other person. And I think at least in this situation, it's the latter. I think Clay likes Nicole. I don't know what's going to happen. The end of this episode, they showed Angela, the ex-girlfriend bridesmaid coming down onto the beach. So who knows what's going to happen. But I think that Clay likes Nicole And I think he still cares about Angela, but I don't think that he cares enough about Nicole to really do anything that would like really shut down Angela or to potentially propose to Nicole at the end or anything like that. So I do think that their relationship will end before the end of Bachelor in Paradise. I don't look at spoilers, so I don't know if I'm correct or not. I just think that Nicole got an intuitive hit that Clay's not really that into her, that he likes her, but he's not like super, super likes her. And I think she knows that. And I think that's where the worry is. And I think this is really normal to kind of be in denial of these intuitive hits. 
you know, I can think of a few relationships that I've been in where I really liked the other person. And yeah, I know that they liked me, but I also deep down knew that they weren't as into me as I was into them. And that just really hurts. And it really sucks. And we don't want to believe that. And so then we don't. And then we tell ourselves we can't trust ourselves. And then it just kind of spirals from there. So it's a really crappy situation. I don't think it's going to end for Nicole very well. And I feel really sorry for her just because I also know that her confidence and her self-esteem just aren't really that high based on what I've seen her say in this series and then also in Colton's season of The Bachelor. Okay, so those are the three situationships that I hope you can learn something from for your own love life. And now it's time to give out some patriarchy roses. So the first patriarchy rose, surprisingly, is going to go to John Paul Jones, JPJ. He started off so strong, really in the season, but also in the first night of the two episodes. He was just so funny and he was compelling and he was just a ridiculous character to have on TV. Just a really funny, goofy guy who just didn't give any fucks about, you know, how many Instagram followers he would have and what would happen to his influencer status after this show or whatever. He just was just a really funny and fun person to watch on TV. Now, I mentioned earlier that JPJ had or has a thing for Tasha, And Tasha kind of said, maybe you should explore your other options, see who else is there. It was very obvious that Tasha was really into Derek, who is newly single after Demi's girlfriend came onto the beach. And so Tasha wanted to explore things with Derek. And so Tasha wanted to also give JPJ an out to explore other relationships. And so that's ultimately why he said yes to these two women who came down onto the beach, Tajwan and Haley. And he really liked these two women and they were kind of fighting over each other and they were kind of fighting each other over JPJ. Little did they know that he was still really, really into Tasha, and in fact, crying about it. He was really upset and I actually really liked that he was really comfortable to have this obsession and to really just feel his feelings. And we don't really see that a lot, especially from the men on this franchise. And so I think it was really great to see a man just feeling really sad and upset and expressing those emotions and not feeling ashamed about it or or anything. But then shit hit the fan and he decides he is just going to attack Derek, not physically, but verbally, and make all of these like crazy accusations that Derek uses women and that he's manipulative and he just wants to get more followers for his podcast and like blah, blah, blah. And a lot of these accusations, as far as I can tell, is totally unfounded. Like there's no evidence to suggest that any of this is true. And he is just expressing all of this anger on Derek. And that's why I'm going to give him a patriarchy rose because he is feeling really rejected by Tasha, And so he just wants someone else to blame rather than saying, wow, she doesn't want me. That really sucks. So his first reaction was appropriate, but then it turned to anger and rage. And I just think he was acting totally inappropriate to Derek, not to mention the fact that he never even once asked Tasha what she wanted or how she, how she felt about the situation. He just felt the need to protect Tasha from Derek, even though she never asked him to do that. And he just took it upon himself to do that. And I just think that is just reeking of patriarchy of men believing that they know what a woman wants, or that it's okay to just unleash a bunch of anger if you get rejected or have your feelings hurt, which neither one of those things are cool or correct. 
The other patriarchy rose is going to go to Ashley, I, Kaylin, and Haley. And this was such a fast moment, except I was reminded of it on a recap podcast episode this morning. So Ashley, I, Kaylin, and Haley were talking at the wedding, and they see the bridesmaid, Angela, who was, again, Clay's ex-girlfriend, walk down the aisle. And she is looking hot. She is looking stunning. She's just a beautiful woman. But then again, pretty much everyone on Bachelor in Paradise is a very stereotypically beautiful person. And there's no body diversity or anything like that. So everyone looks like a model, basically. And so Angela is walking down the aisle. She looks stunning. And then it cuts to these three women, Ashley, I, Kaylin, and Haley talking. They talk about how Angela lost a bunch of weight and she lost revenge weight so that she could look really good for Clay and make him jealous and want, and make him want her again. And I was so appalled by this comment. I think it was actually Haley who made the comment, but all three of them were totally in agreement and just chatting about this. I thought this was totally disgusting. All three of them deserve a patriarchy rose. And the reason is, one, we don't attract men by our bodies. I mean, yeah, you can for sex and all that kind of stuff, but for real love, for real connection, for real intimacy, it goes well beyond our bodies. And believing that it's based just on your body is a patriarchal myth. And the other reason is just commenting on a woman's body like that. I just think as if like, it's just there for people to comment on and to make judgments on is disgusting and not okay. And if someone did want to lose weight or get healthy, there's a million and one reasons why someone might want to do that and might have nothing to do with a man. Surprise, surprise. And so I think all of for all of those reasons, all three of these women deserve a patriarchy rose and it was a really disgusting comment and I was not pleased with it. And the final patriarchy rose, I kind of went back and forth on how to frame this. And that is during the ceremony for Chris and Crystal, a producer came on and saged the, you know, the little altar where the bride and groom stood and had a little feather and white sage and was just saging the place. And the reason why I'm going to give this a patriarchy rose is not because of the use of sage. I know that Crystal likes to use sage in her own life. I know she's into alternative healing and she's into crystals and she's into sage and essential oils and stuff like that. So I'm assuming that's a reason why that was there. The reason I'm going to give it a patriarchy rose is for two reasons. One is because the way that Chris Harrison, who's the host, but then also the officiant for the wedding was kind of making fun of it. Like, oh, are we all cleansed now? And how the audience was kind of poking fun and laughing at it too was really disrespectful because while it might seem really cool to be using sage these days, it actually is a religious practice that comes from various Native American tribes. And so I think to kind of poke fun of it is just cultural appropriation. I think it's also insensitive and that's it's all stuff from the patriarchy. And the other reason why I'm going to give it a patriarchy rose is, and this is something that I hope you learn from too, if you do use sage in your own practice, and that is the use of white sage is actually, again, it's a religious practice from various Native American tribes, but because it's become cool and a lot of white people now do it, there is actually an unsustainable practice of growing and harvesting white sage, and it's actually become an environmental problem. And so I don't know where 
their sage was sourced from, but I just want you to be mindful that if you do purchase sage, to make sure that it's sourced from an ethically and sustainable source. And you might even want to consider not using sage, but using some other sort of herb instead. So for example, I use a little sage, I mean, I call it a sage stick, but it's basically cedar and rose and it smells delightful. It's actually not as strong as sage, so I actually prefer it. Some people prefer it too because sage has a really strong smell. And so if you are going to sage your home or sage before meditation or whatever it is, I just want to ask you to make sure it's from a sustainably ethically sourced place and or you get an alternative, something like cedar or rose, where you can still burn. It still has cleansing, clearing properties, but it's something that's just a little bit better for the environment. Okay, so those are the three patriarchy roses. And next, I want to talk about a few moments that I'm here for. So one thing that I really loved about Tajwan is she just kept saying how hot it was. And she was asking for like guacamole. She wanted to sit in the pool and she couldn't believe how all these people were making out because it was so hot and was too hot to touch it anybody. And she asked the producers for a fan and she would just like fan herself off during her interviews. It was just the funniest thing. And I think that when we watch the show, we don't realize how hot it is there. But I I'm under the I'm under the understanding that it's actually really freaking hot there. And the contestants aren't allowed to wear hats or sunglasses because it just either creates a glare with sunglasses or hats. You can't really always see what's going on or whatever. And so It's just so freaking hot. And I know I would probably be dying and I'd be sweating because I hate really hot weather. And it reminded me of this time last year, probably actually right around a year ago, I was in Bali with my mastermind and it was so hot there. And there's like no air conditioning in most places, unless you're staying in like a super, super fancy place. And I was walking around Ubud with a couple of my friends and we went to go get dinner and I was just so hot and we were going to go out afterwards. But I was like, I just need to go home and like just take a cold shower because I was just like flipping my shit on how hot it was. And so like I go home or go back to my little Airbnb. I lay on my bed, turn the fan on high and I'm like just laying naked and I'm like sprawled out as far apart. Like I get my limbs as far away from each other as I can so I can just dry off and cool off. And then I take a cold shower and it just reminded me of that because I just hate being hot. And so I just totally related to Tajwan hardcore. And I thought it was just hilarious. I thought JPJ had a lot of great moments before the second episode this week. So I'm there's some moments I'm here for. He ate the date food, which apparently you're not supposed to do. He did some cartwheels. He went skinny dipping. He was like getting changed in front of the producers as he was doing his interviews. Like he's just such a goofy, goofy person. It was so funny. And I liked him so much until I had to give him a patriarchy rose because he was acting like a total jerk. And then two more quick moments that I'm here for. Demi mocking Connor during the credits was just too funny. And then finally, Christian talking about the rose ceremony. Just a reminder to everyone, Christian is the woman who came on last week as Demi's girlfriend, and then she stayed so they can explore their relationship. And they were getting ready for the first rose ceremony and Christian was talking to the camera and she was like, so I don't really know what a rose ceremony is, but I think the men all have the roses and they presumably give them to the woman, but I'm dating a woman, so I don't know how it's going to work. And the way she said it was just so funny. She clearly has never watched the show and she's like, what the hell am I doing on this show? So it was just a really funny moment. And that's it. 
that those are the moments that I'm here for. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if there's something that I brought up in today's episode that you want to explore more in your own life, here are some episodes that I want you to explore on the podcast. So the first episode is episode 144, how to get started with inner child work and why you must do this to find love. I talked a lot about the inner child when I talked about Dean's situationship and how it really can affect your life, even if it's something that happened 20, 30, 40, however old you are years ago. So I highly recommend starting with the episode if you're like, okay, this inner child work, Veronica, I hear you. It's interesting tell me more. So start with that episode for sure. Um, I also just want to throw in this episode 149, free yourself from binge eating with Tracy. And it's really just about loving your body and body confidence. The reason why I'm sharing this episode with you is because of that patriarchy rose, that really hurtful remark by Ashley, I, Kaylin and Haley commenting on Angela's revenge body. I think it was really cruel. I think it was really backwards in our growing body positivity world. And so if that's triggering for you, then I highly recommend you start with that episode. And then finally, another episode I highly recommend you dive into is episode 177, and it's how to not get so attached to new relationships with Andre Ann. So this is about understanding when you get really attached to someone and you hardly know them, or you get really, really upset when they break up with you again, like when you get triggered, like I was talking about in the first situation with Tajwan, there's something else going on, there's something deeper that it's bumping up against, and you have to figure out what that thing is, so you can heal it, so that you can go out and date and yeah, maybe feel hurt or rejected if someone rejects you after a date or two, but it doesn't throw off your whole week or your month or your ability to feel loved and worthy. So that's episode 177, how to not get so attached to new relationships. And we'll put all of those links in the show notes. So you can go over there and click those links, or you can scroll down your podcast player to look for episodes 144, 149, and 177. All right, my dear, that is all I have got for you for today's bonus episode. I will be back next week with a brand new episode of the Love Life Connection podcast and a bonus episode of the Love Life Connection podcast. And there are just two more bonus episodes. So I'd really love to know how you're liking these bonus episodes. Are they fun? Are they entertaining? If you're listening to them, do you actually watch The Bachelor and or have you started watching The Bachelor or are you able to follow these episodes without watching The Bachelor? I would love to know the answers to these questions. So come on over to Instagram. Let me know. I'm Veronica E. Grant. Send me a DM. I would love to hear your thoughts and your insights and your questions and things you would like to see more of in these bonus episodes if I decide to continue doing them during the next season of The Bachelor, Bachelorette, and so forth. All right, my dears, I will see you next week. And that's it for now. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. Find the show notes to this episode and all episodes at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. You can also grab bonus downloads and more resources to help you find love at veronicagrant.com. That's also the place you can learn more about my private love and relationship coaching and group coaching programs. And if you love this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you took a moment to leave a rating or review in iTunes. It helps me to build this amazing community and help more amazing women like yourself find real love. And until next time, remember, Remember this, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You aren't broken. You don't need to be fixed. And even if you've never had the relationship you want before, it doesn't mean you can't have it now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.